following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Will you stand with me once again for the reading of the word? We're going to begin in verse 32, Luke 23, beginning at verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. Thank you. You may be seated. Each Easter, Christians around the world gather to read and to reflect once again on the centrality of the death and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. This morning, we are going to consider Luke's account of this event, Uh, but we invite you to come back on Friday evening when we're going to walk through the entire crucifixion event once again in our Good Friday service, and we share in that time. While on the cross, Jesus uttered seven sayings, or seven words that he spoke. Luke records three of them for us. And if we have the order correct, Luke gives us the first, the second, and the seventh. And so, 
Each of these is unique to Luke, and because of that, I take it that that is what he wants us to see and to understand about the meaning of the cross. And we'll look at each one of these this morning in order to gain an understanding of freshness in terms of the centrality of the cross of Jesus in our lives. As we listen to Jesus speak, as we hear him offering these words, what will he say to us today? The first meaning of the cross is simply that it is um, forgiveness. The meaning of the cross is forgiveness. So under the intense uh, suffering and persecution of crucifixion, Men would swear and curse and threaten and spit and do all kinds of things. This was a normal reaction to events that were totally out of control at this point. But not Jesus of Nazareth. There was a composure there. There was a quietness. There was a calmness. There was a purpose in the way that he suffered that was evident to all. He was speaking, but if we listen closely, here is what he said. Father, forgive them. To forgive means to cancel a debt. When we break God's laws and we offend his character, we, um, we begin to chalk up an account with God. And it's an account that none of us is able to pay. So that what Jesus did on the cross was to take that debt that we owed and he took it upon himself. Father, forgive them. The immediate application of these words is to those that were involved in those events. Uh, The Roman soldiers Uh, the bystanders, those that had made the decision to put him there. Uh, The wording here would indicate that it probably was not just one occasion in which he said this. But as he suffered, he would say, Father, forgive them. And as they insulted him and, and made remarks about him and taunted him, he would continue to say, Father, forgive them. They were crucifying the Messiah, but they did not know it. They were crucifying the Lord of glory, but they did not know it. They have no idea what they were doing. That is the nature of our sin. And Jesus' prayer would indicate in our lives that in all sin, there is some measure of spiritual blindness and ignorance. Even when we know what we're doing, do we really understand the offense that that is to a holy and a righteous God? In fact, the New Testament would indicate this. Paul would say of the Jews in Acts 13, verse 27, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, that's the Old Testament, because they didn't recognize and understand it, it said they fulfilled them by condemning him. 
There was ignorance that was involved. Of the Gentile rulers in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul says, none of the rulers of this age, that would be Pilate, and that would be the whole system that was uh, a part of the, of the Roman legal system at that time. For the rulers of this, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Father, forgive them. We find the first answer to this prayer right in the context here, verse 47, where as the Roman centurion witnessed the death of Jesus, recognized that he was a righteous man, an innocent man, the Son of God. Now, we don't know for sure, but I hope to see this centurion in heaven one day. That God was doing a work of grace in his life to bring him to a full realization of who Jesus Christ was. But what about us? Do we recognize the enormity of our sin? I don't know about you, but I grade myself on a curve. I think that, well, what I did, if they did it, it was wrong. If I did it, I have reasons. Don't we hear ourselves saying, oh, it's not that bad. It's just a mistake. I'm only human after all. I'm actually better than most. If they hadn't started it, it wouldn't have gotten out of hand. It's only a little lie. I can stop any time. And what this passage on the cross teaches us is that sin is, first of all, a personal offense against the living God. David sinned. We know that. He's very famous for it. He committed adultery. And then he killed uh, Uriah in order to cover the evidence. And David struggled and struggled and struggled for a long time. And he only found forgiveness and cleansing when he looked up. And in the words of Psalm 51, verse 4, he said this, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, the cross of Christ is the way that God sees our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our actions. No matter how we see them, the cross reminds us of how he sees them. And we need forgiveness. God takes sin personally because that is what it is. And only when we begin to see our sin as God sees it, then we begin to understand the forgiveness of the cross. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath brought me life. I know that it is finished. The meaning of the cross is forgiveness. 
And it was this forgiveness for which Jesus prayed that became the foundation for offering salvation to all who believe. So in the second place, we see that the meaning of the cross is salvation. During the first three hours of the crucifixion from about nine to about noon, uh, there were people that were milling about. There were the soldiers that were there. There were some of the Jewish leadership. There was a handful of Jesus' followers that were there as well. And there were interactions uh, that were taking place uh, during this time. Uh, the religious leaders would get together and they would call out in contempt, he saved others, let him save himself. It's not the text, but they would say, ha, afterwards. And then the soldiers, they were used to this sort of thing. They were callous to the suffering of, of, of other human beings. And they saw the inscription above the cross and, and, ah, king of the Jews, ha, that's a good one. And so they called out, if you're king of the Jews, show it by saving yourself. And they offered him cheap wine as a toast to his majesty. And this went on for some time. And that's why I think that all during this time, Jesus was probably repeatedly saying, wow, Father, forgive them. For they don't have an idea of the enormity of what they are doing and what they are saying. All the Gospels tell us that Jesus was crucified with criminals. These men, you must understand, were not shoplifters from Target. Uh, they were probably more like terrorists or revolutionaries of some kind. They were men who were hardened in battle, violent in nature, and committed to die for the cause that they believed in. And they began to say the same things. Verse 36, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Or verse 39, that's found in. And in all of these taunts, uh, you, you have this, this challenge to Jesus that if you are who you say you are, well, why don't you save yourself and why don't you save us in the process as, as well? They did not understand that by not saving himself, Jesus was saving us. It was the only way that God could bring about in his holiness, his righteousness, his wisdom, the salvation that we needed to be reconciled to him. But there was an exception, and Luke, again, is the only one that really tells us this little moment on the cross as these three men suffered together. God did a work in one of these criminals, and we have no idea whether he, he could, how much he could lift his head or how much he could turn, because remember, they were impaled on these crosses at this time. But as he, he listened to his friend that was railing at Jesus, he turned to him in whatever way he could and said, do you not fear God since you are under the same condemnation or the same sentence of condemnation? And here are the key words, and we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. 
And again, however he could then do that, he turned to Jesus the best he could. Having listened to this man say, Father, forgive them. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let me share with you five things that we learn about the salvation that Jesus provided on the cross. First of all, salvation is for those that turn to Christ. This man said, remember me. Having confessed his sin, having acknowledged his need, having seen who Jesus was, we don't know how much he understood, but he certainly understood that Jesus was a savior, he was a messiah, he was a king, and whatever he needed, this man had it. And he said simply, remember me. Number two, salvation is immediate. Today, Jesus said to him in this wonderful promise, when we turn to faith in Christ, we receive God's gift of eternal life, both for now and forever. This man had no earthly life left to live. He was on the way out. He was close. But on that day, he received the eternal life that God offers in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, salvation is a relationship with Jesus. You will be with me. The, evidence, uh, the, the, the reality of our faith is not in a religion or a set of rules or belonging to the right denomination. Even though each of these things may have a part to play in the way that we live out our faith. But the Christian faith is at the heart a relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is personal in that regard. You will be with me Jesus said. Fourthly, salvation is for all people. This man was considered to be the lowest of the low. The Romans did not typically um, crucify anyone else except the lowest of criminals. Jesus said, you will be with me. He didn't say that to everybody that was around in the crowds in that day, but he said, you will be with me. Fifthly, salvation leads to heaven Paradise refers to the dwelling place of God. And where God is, we will be with him for all eternity. Now, the Roman centurion hasn't made his statement at this point. But up to this point, of all that were involved in the scene of the crucifixion, this most unlikely candidate was the only one that recognized and understood who Jesus Christ was. And it is in his example that we see the salvation that Jesus was providing on the cross. In the 1990s, Rosaria Butterfield was a tenured professor of women's studies and feminism at the University of Syracuse. She was comfortable with her radical left views and the girlfriend that she was living with she began to write a book and do research about the radical right to expose its approach of hate. This project brought her into contact with a 70-year-old pastor and his wife at the local Reformed Presbyterian Church. They opened their home and their hearts to her. 
She began to read the Bible voraciously because you need to understand your enemy, right? And so she read it, and you know what happened when she started reading? God began to plant seeds into her heart. The love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as she wrestled over a long period, it would be over two years before she worked her way to personal faith in Christ. And along the way, she ran into a point she wondered, is salvation for a person like me? And one night she bowed, and she says in her own testimony, that night I prayed and asked God if the gospel message was for someone like me too. And the title of her book, her testimony, is The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. But God did continue his work of grace, and she came to repent of her sin and surrender to Jesus Christ. And today she's a pastor's wife and a homeschooling mom, but she started as an unlikely candidate to be a follower of Jesus. And it may be that some of us have asked ourselves a similar question. Is Jesus really for someone like me? Jesus died for the sins of the world, whether it's a criminal on the cross, a lesbian professor, or whatever sins you and I may have committed. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The meaning of the cross is salvation for all who will recognize their sin, yes, but understand that Christ took that sin upon himself. If we are willing to repent, turn away from our sin, we may have the confidence that Jesus paid the price for our sin, no matter what it may be. Are you here this morning And have you made that decision of turning from your sin and believing in what Christ did that he did for you? If you're uncertain about that, or if you know that you haven't made that decision, the gospel invites you to make that decision of faith. To follow Christ, to know that the meaning of the cross is salvation. For whoever will turn to Jesus Christ. And if that needs to be you today, his invitation is to you. You may trust Christ at any time in any place, right where you sit today. Through a simple prayer of faith. Saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose for me. I know I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness I accept your gift of eternal life. I trust in God alone for my salvation. But maybe you have questions. Maybe you're not quite sure. We will have at the end of our service, as we do every week, leaders from our church that will be wearing yellow lanyards. And they would be Glad to talk to you. They would love to answer your questions, to have a conversation, uh, to point you uh, to Pastor Jordan or to myself, and to, and to um, know that you 
can find the meaning of the cross as salvation for yourself. But before we get there, let's look at a third saying that Jesus did. They're nervous down here. I can see them. They're saying, wait a minute. Uh, is he done already? You give the invitation at the end, isn't it? Now, the meaning of the cross is forgiveness. On the basis of that, the meaning of the cross is salvation and God's invitation. And then we see also that the meaning of the cross for Jesus was a sign and a symbol of the total and the complete trust that he had in the Father's plan of redemption. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, both of these previous sayings that we've looked at took place in the first three hours of the crucifixion. When 12 noon came along, there was a sudden and dramatic change that took place. As the sun was darkened and the earth was plunged into this oppressive darkness as Jesus suffered there in silence. It was apparently during this time that Jesus bore God's judgment for the sins of the world. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The reality of God's judgment for sin is beyond our comprehension, you know, to understand. If I cannot even understand my own sin, how can I understand what it costs the Son of God to pay the price for that sin? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, or a sin offering possibly is the idea that is there. John 1 Verse 29, John said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus suffered in the darkness, God covered him, cloaked him, as he bore the sins of the world. Towards the end of that three hours of suffering, then uh, you have the, the tearing of the veil in the temple, Jesus will say some other things that Luke doesn't record for us. He would say, Father, why have you forsaken me? He would say, I thirst. He would say, it is finished as he approached the end of that. But what we have then in Luke's account is the final word that Jesus spoke as he handed his spirit back over to the Father, as it were. Quoting from Psalm 31 and verse 5, he said, with a loud voice, Crucifixion usually um, w was a, a, a way of dying that, that they were so weak they could even hardly talk. This tells us that Jesus gave his life. He voluntarily offered up what he did on behalf of um, the, the sins of the world for his people. With a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I have accomplished what you sent me to do. It is done. It is finished as we sang this morning. And with that triumphant cry, 
he handed himself back over to the Father. And it says, um, having said this, he breathed his last. Now we need to contrast this with his prayer in Gethsemane just a few hours before this. Remember that in his humanity, Jesus struggled with what was about to face him. He knew the reality of that. He wrestled with that. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, we have this. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And you and I may wrestle with what God allows into our lives. But when we understand that his purposes are good and his actions are loving, we learn to trust him. Because we know that all that he has done for us in salvation, he will complete and see that through to the end in our lives. Whatever we, wherever we may find ourselves today, the meaning of the cross is that Jesus Christ is worthy of our trust. So we need to obey him. We need to love God above everything else. We need not to take things into our own hands. We need to wait on God. We need to trust him, to remain with him, because that is what Jesus did on the cross for us. God is worthy of our total and complete trust. Now, granted, it doesn't always feel like that, right? And that's where our tendency to bail out comes in. When we hit the hard times and and, and we don't know exactly what God is doing, but the cross is God's message to us that you can trust him. He is not going to abandon you. He's going to finish what he has begun, and so we can obey him in our circumstances. We can love him and trust him because of the cross. Jesus didn't quote the whole verse. He was quoting from Psalm uh, 31 and verse 5. It says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, the psalmist said. Uh, you are faithful God. And Jesus didn't have to say, you have redeemed me. You see, he didn't need redemption. He was giving his life for the redemption of others. But God has redeemed us in Christ. And because he has redeemed us and is faithful to finish what he has begun, the meaning of the cross can be for us that we trust God in our circumstances. The meaning of the cross for us then is that Jesus provided forgiveness, salvation, and trust in the Father's will so that by the power of that cross, we might be a forgiving people, sharing the good news of salvation, and staying faithful to God's purpose for our lives. What do we need to hear this Easter season? Where are we in our walk 
with Jesus Christ in these days. Let me give you some suggestions as we draw this to a close and move towards our communion service. Number one, again, if you do not know Christ as Savior, God is moving in your heart. Would you come to Christ? Would you make that decision of personal faith in Him for your eternal salvation? The meaning of the cross is forgiveness and salvation. For those of us who know Christ, are we forgiving people? The meaning of the cross is forgiveness. And Jesus forgave so that we might share his nature. And that means not only that individual incident, but we need to be a forgiving person. We need to approach all areas of conflict and difficulty with a forgiving disposition and attitude because that's who Christ is in us. Do we reflect the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in the way that we live our lives every day? Thirdly, are we sharing the good news of salvation? Is this our purpose and reason for living? Jesus Christ gave his life that we might be forgiven of sin and have eternal life. Are we sharing that good news with others? Because that is true uh, for all who will turn to Christ. And then fourthly, are we staying committed to God's purpose for our life? There are times when we're up, times when, our down, when we are down, but are we staying faithful to the Savior who has given his life on the cross for us? The cross is pictured in its fullness in the, um, the elements that Jesus gave to his disciples in order to remember his death and resurrection. The bread is his body given on the cross. The cup, his blood, shed for the remission of our sins. And so let's prepare our heart to come to the Lord's table with a fresh appreciation for the meaning of the cross. The meaning of the cross is forgiveness. The meaning of the cross is salvation. The meaning of the cross is trust. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you would make what we know fresh, new, powerful in our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. As we've sung these truths today, as we've listened to them taught from your word and now, as we share them in these symbols, would you continue to do your work of grace in each one of our lives? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.